This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Oak Road Hatter Podcast. I'm Billy Mully and today I'm joined by Stephen Day and Jamie Castle. We're going to have a look at Wigan at home. 2-1 defeat to the Latics in disappointing fashion. We also turn our attentions to Stoke away where it's always a spicy, tasty fixture. We also look at the transfer market as it came to its conclusion on Thursday. First of all, Stephen, Jamie, it's been a while since it's been the three of us. How are you both getting on? Yeah, I've been better. Fresh back from sunny Seville. Um, so obviously got the got the post holiday blues, but other than that I'm 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 not too bad. Yeah, I've started a new job this week, so uh yeah, I'm just getting on with it. Good to hear. As we say, it's um well, it's it's strange to see Jamie here. I know I made a joke about it last week, but he's He's proven me wrong. We lose and he's straight back on the exactly podcast. Right. We, exactly. we like that. I told you it was purely coincidence. Yes, and he's trying to prove that now. <laughs> as, we, yeah. as we have seen. So today we are going to start with Wigan. A game that I was just saying to Jamie before we came on air. A, a game that, you know, the first 70 minutes was okay. A game that we probably would have seen out last year when we were on that sort of upward trajectory things were going well but we are not currently at the levels that we were last year we're not firing all cylinders nothing that was evident by the last 20 minutes Stephen coming to you first I think a lot of people have described it as you know a tale of two substitutions really substitutions we made and substitutions they made substitutions we made negatively impacted us and, and the the substitutions they made went on to win them the game with um, Asgard, Shinny and I think it was Broadhead coming on and, and playing really well and as I say turn turn the game around for them. 
I mean, I wouldn't have said that. I mean, at, at the time, I, I turned around to the people next to me saying that, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy we made the substitutions now because I was thinking, you know what, if, they, if we don't change something, it's going to get a bit sour. Um, I, I was happy with substitutions. I didn't think that they negatively impacted it at the time. I think it was more the mentality of the team and mentality of Wigan and I think yeah their, their substitutions changed it but it was almost like in high well yeah kind of in hindsight it was going to happen regardless of who, who we had on the pitch because it just we we were weak on that right hand side and like on, on our back right hand side we were open there they kept breaking and I and I was thinking you know what if they score they go and score through that that part of the pitch um, they broke through that. Was it? I think twice for, for both goals. And um, yeah, it. I don't think it was a fair result, but at the same time, I walked away from it thinking, you know what, we didn't do enough. So fair play to Wigan. Yeah, it just seems at the moment home form for some reason is lagging behind. We're struggling to win games at home. Again, hopefully it's a temporary thing. We're still early in the season. Jamie, to you watching in sunny Seville, what do you make of the 90 minutes on a whole? Do you think it was the substitutions that, that ultimately let us down in the end? I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about losing pressing power in terms of bringing the, the two forwards off and Alan Campbell. Where do you lie? Do you think it was bold for Jones to do what he does and, and therefore... Jones getting it wrong. Where, where do you think the the defeat came from? Yeah, I mean, I guess going back to the first half of the question, I guess all you can really say is that it was frustrating uh, for for the first hour or hour or so. We were good. I mean, we weren't we weren't anything special by any means, but we were good enough, and we certainly deserved to be ahead. We deserved our lead, and you sort of think, well, we, we're going to cruise through this to to take the three points. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 tough because I think like Stephen at the time, I didn't really read too much into it. Now, obviously that could, that could be to an extent that a, you trust Nathan Jones wholeheartedly that in the moment you, you, if, if he feels that's the right change to, to make, then who are we to, to sort of second guess that. But then I guess with the benefit of hindsight, I think l- losing essentially the, the midfield three that has done, that has done so well this season, Clark, Campbell and Freeman to take all three of them off, albeit only one was taken off before their first, but then to take the, the other two off before their second, it seemed a bit a bit too much. I think, okay, I appreciate we want to go for for the win. It's Obviously, we've not won one home this season, so maybe that changed his thinking a little bit. Maybe if we'd have beaten, beaten Birmingham or beaten Sheffield United, then maybe Nathan would have been more satisfied with the point. Um, but I think Given the fact that it was still still one one, I think he probably could have rested a little bit. Because don't forget that their first goal was a bit lucky. It was it wasn't even a shot on target, right? It, it, it wasn't as if they had completely turned the game on turned the game on its heads and gained the ascendancy, and they were all over us. Yeah, yeah, they they had come back into the game, but we certainly had enough to to at least see out the draw, maybe even nick it with with the players that we had on the pitch. So, yeah, I think in hindsight, yeah, I think you have to say it was the changes that in the end gave Wigan the three points and, and, and don't take that as taking any any positive words towards Wigan because I thought the, 
the changes that that, that Liam, Richard, Liam Richardson made were, were great. And uh, that, that Asgard, he came on and it's a great finish, but, but we should get out to him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all in all, it's just frustrating. And I think if if Nathan was to make the changes again, he probably wouldn't have taken off both Clark and Campbell, that's for sure. We've mentioned it, haven't we? It's a real luxury, well, a seeming luxury this year that we get to make five substitutions, but you can also lose a little bit about what you are and, and how you compete by making too many substitutions, which I probably think was the case on Saturday. It was, again, looking at the starting lineup, it was very, very similar to what we've seen so far this season. Um, Jones really sticking to to the same kind of players so far, you know, the likes of Freeman in the in the number ten role, uh, Clark and Campbell in midfield, and, and Elijah and Morris, uh, the two wing backs as well. And there has been little variation in the centre backs with, with Lockyer coming in more recently, but there hasn't been too much change, of course, with. Doughty coming back with Cornick getting back to full fitness. There's opportunity for, for those players to stake a claim. But are you happy at the moment with the starting eleven? Are you in a position where you look at that starting lineup and you think, okay, we can we can take on anyone in this league? I, I think it'd be wrong of us to say that we're not happy with the starting eleven. It's, it's obviously an eleven that has taken seven points from from the three before Wigan and was on course to take ten from from twelve. So I, I don't think you can say that say any bad words against it. I think going back to the changes, I think it wasn't the changes as such. I think it was the fact that it also caused rotation in the, in the 11. I mean, if, if you just go for the changes now, so it was Woodrow for Eli, fine. Straight swap as such. Eli was okay, but not fantastic as he has been so far this season. That that in isolation is fine. Then, then, you, then you do Morris for Jerome. Again, in isolation is fine. But then, then it start. But then it's when you start to then take off Freeman for Cornet, which is then a bit of a different change. I think that was just, that was before their first goal, which then pushed Woodrow back, which then changes the. It rotates that midfield slightly, and then suddenly, then you're taking off Clark and Campbell for Fred and Luke Berry. Then you suddenly put in Osho from the back three into midfield. You put in Brief and White wing back to White centre back, and then put in Fred on at White, at White wing back. It's just too many changes within the eleven. So it's not just, it's not it's not as if it was a straight swap where it was Fred for Bree. You could you, let's give Bree a rest, but put put Fred at, at, at white wing back and leave Osher every year. So it's not like it's not like you're taking Lockyer off for a Sonny Bradley and, uh, and it's a straight swap. There, there's also rotations within the players that won the that that, that won the pitch. So I think it was it just caused too much disruption not only with the players that came on but the players that were already on the pitch change, changing what what they were being asked to do. Um. So yeah, I think I think the changes were were, were obviously really important in in how the game went. And Stephen, looking at home form now, that's two points from four compared to seven points from four away games. We spoke about this kind of difference in, in style of play when we're at home. We tend to see a lot more of the ball, and when we're away, we see sort of figures in the the thirties when it comes to possession. Do you think that's that's where not, I don't want to say the issue lies because of course it's only four games at home so far. But do you think that's playing its part? The fact that we we tend to thrive when we see less of the ball and when we're in games where teams are looking to restrict us and we do see that that bit more possession is that where we're currently struggling? Um, I think I think it's probably a bit of confidence really because 
away from home, there's almost that like we've got a challenge on our hands to win and we've got the confidence to to go at a team and and try and beat them. Um whereas at home it you know from from what I've seen so far, it's almost as if like we bar Sheffield United and then bar like a little bit of the Birmingham game, but it kind of feels like we thought we were we deserved to win Saturday. So the players kind of, you know, didn't give it everything. Um, whereas away from home, it really feels like they give everything. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're not trying to win. I'm just saying it, you know, it does feel like it could be down to a bit of confidence with playing at home. And in, in all honesty, like, I think our home form has been better than uh, away form has been better than home form the last two seasons, possibly. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was like two seasons ago. Last season, I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, it it feels like we've kind of lost that fortress at home um, mentality, and we're kind of you know a bit more open and a bit more well, a bit, a bit less confident. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that we can turn that around. Uh, I think, Billy, I, I don't think it's any, it's any coincidence, like like you said there with regards to playing style. I don't think it's any coincidence that our best performance at home has come against the best side in the league. For me, I, I think that 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 isn't just sort of oh, which it's just the way it's happened. I think, like like you said, in terms of style of play and the teams that we're facing, teams. And now adapting to the way we play in the likes of obviously Preston, Wigan, and Birmingham, who probably at least two of those three will, will be in the bottom half of the table this this season. Um, so the fact that Sheffield United, who have proven to probably be now one of the early favourites for the title, uh, they came to us and I thought we were outstanding. Again, I said on the last, but I thought we were absolutely incredible, all bar a seven-minute period. I, that 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 isn't any coincidence. So I think. It's not. It's nothing more than just growing pains. I think we need to, I guess, snap out of it a little bit quickly. I mean, we, but by no means saying it, it, we're in danger, not a chance. We just need to snap out of it and just get back to to being our usual selves, really, at home. And then also the last thing I want to say about Wigan because I want to I want to move swiftly on. We all want to move swiftly on to what we've got coming up. We've spoken a lot this year about maybe adding more technical players into the squad. Um, there may have been more of an emphasis on, on building through the thirds, but we've also seen, you know, lots of long balls up to Elijah Adebayo still. We're, we're still playing off, we're still playing off his surface, um, thriving when we've got Colton Morris running at defenders and, and using his body to introduce others to the play. But we're also seeing a fair bit of joy building through the thirds. And it seemed during a period of, of the game, we were going longer. We were trying to use the athleticism of Morris and Adbayo. It wasn't working. But then this sort of 10-minute period, we were playing through the thirds and it seemed like we were getting somewhere. I don't know if that's something that, you know, is, is noticed by you, you two as well, that, that sometimes in different phases of play, say 10, 15 minute periods of play, there, there's certain certain aspects and certain ways of playing. I don't know if that makes any sense to you boys or if I'm chatting absolute waffle. I think for me, on on that respect, it kind of comes back to the confidence thing because it, sometimes it does feel like we're a bit more confident on the ball, but then, especially at home, but then 
the minute there's a bit of pressure, it's almost like we panic and we start playing the long balls and they're not working out. But there's, you know, they they almost have no plan B for that, which obviously there is a, well, yeah, not the best explanation, but like, um, yeah, it feels like they just don't know what to do once there's a bit of pressure and we panic and we just play the, the long balls towards, you know, Morris, Jerome, Adebayo, at whatever point that we're feeling the pressure. And it's just, it it's frustrating that we're, you know, we've almost lost the confidence in those moments to to get the ball down, calm the game down and take control. I, I think as far as an extent you say about long balls to Eli, I think the players need to appreciate that it's going through a bit of a tough spell. I think we relied on him a lot this last season. I feel like the players are still in that mindset a little bit when actually... We, we now have more threats other than Eli that we need to go through those threats a bit more. Go go behind the lines to Morris. Go go into feet of Clark and Freeman rather than, you know what, I'm I'm Dan Potts or I'm Tom Lockyer at the back and I'm trying to find that that ball into Eli. Actually, when we're watching the game, sometimes there is that ball into feet of Clark. I think Clark has proven that he's he's been been brilliant relatively to it, sort of the understanding that it's a new role for him. But Clark's been brilliant in that sort of number six type role where just just, just playing defeat. We, we know Clark's got the got got the ability to, to, to receive the ball in tight areas and and, and beat a man and, and so on and and same same for Luke Freeman. So I think it's also on the the, the back three a little bit to just stop relying on Eli as much as they were last year. Appreciate last year you get the reasons for it because he was far and away our best player in terms of what he, what he could do and what he could be. But this year we've got a few more threats other than Eli. So we just need to Switch up a little bit. Let's talk the transfer market because it came to its closure. Deadline day was on Thursday. There was a little feeling um, that Luton could be involved in the transfer market, especially when we saw the loan departures, the fact that it's a 23-man squad. Uh, There was also talk about a defender potentially coming in. No names were were linked, but there was um, room in the squad for another defender. Um, Still not necessarily replacing uh, Cal Naismith. Do you think there's any chance that we will dip into the free agent market? Of course, we've seen last year with Robert Snodgrass coming into the squad, the, the quality he added. Um, I, I know it's quite difficult to assess current options because, uh, of course, there's, there's lots of free agents this time around. Um, again, you don't really know what players would be available to Luton. I don't think too many people would have thought that the Snodgrass would have been available to Luton um, when he when he signed, but he did. Is there do you think there's much chance that we'll we'll bolster the squad numbers wise with a new defender? I think there's certainly precedent to say that we will. Obviously the likes of Snodgrass came out of the blue. So um yeah, I mean I, I would certainly wouldn't wouldn't put it past Nathan and and the guys behind them that have got some sort of ace up their sleeve. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure who's available. Obviously, we've pinpointed that defensive sort of recruit as, as the option. But because in, term, in terms of deadline day, obviously, there, there was that element of not disappointment because it didn't really matter as much. I think Dan Potts has done enough to show that actually we can certainly get through to January with, with Potts being sort of the, the main man there. But you, obviously, as a fan, you want to have a bit, a little bit of excitement on deadline day about sort of a shot like a like a new player and stuff. But I, I think I 
I completely agree with what Nathan was saying. I mean, there, there, there was no no real need to, no urgency. And the, the fact that, that there was no need to really get involved on deadline day shows in what, a place, what a good place the squad is in. Obviously, the results haven't quite matched up with our excitement on the squad this season, but I'm, I'm sure it will come. And looking at the, oh, I mentioned there about the, the loan departures, we had Dion Pereira, who went to Bradford, Admiral Musquay that went to Fleetwood and Elliot Fort that went to Hasselbankless Burton after he was sacked. Um, we'll, we'll start with, uh, well, Thorpe and he's, he's moved to Burton. Very strange now that, that Hasselbank's gone and got the sack. Luton, um, as we know, are quite selective of where they send their, their loanees. Um, has to be a good project in place and I'm, I'm sure Hasselbank would have been integral to that. Do you think that's a hindrance or a good opportunity for you know a good manager to come in at Burton and, and you know it, it could be an opportunity for him to be on a level play, level playing field sorry with, with all the rest of the squad and, and maybe not have to work so hard to get into the first team plans where, where do you see that in, in terms of Elliot Thorpe going to Burton a team that have struggled so far in League one is, is, that, is that the kind of move we would have been hoping for? Um, I, it's, it's like a bit of both sides of what you just said. Like it's, it's good that he's almost got a level playing field, um, to, you know, go with, with a new manager coming in. But at the same time, you got to think that there should have been a reason for Hasselbank wanting him. It is a bit of a worry that, um, you know, he might not have a place under a new manager. Um, yeah, it's. I'm I'm still excited to see what happens, but I I get the feeling it could go along the lines of a new manager may not want to fight or may not find a place for him because he might not rate him as highly as Hasselbank. But at the same time, it could either go the other way, and he could be you know getting in the first team regularly. Yeah, I think what Stephen said is fair. It's it's a bit of a non-committal answer, but I think it just depends. It depends on who they bring in. Um, clearly, we we choose the clubs that we send our players to wisely based on club manager style of play. So yeah, I, mean, I think I think it depends on on who, who they bring into a place. And really, obviously, either way, as as long as he gets twenty five games or so this season, then then it's going to be a a productive loan spell. But obviously, the last thing you want is someone to come in, not not wait him at all, and just sit on the bench till January, um, which which would be frustrating. And now Admiral Musquay is already opened his account for Fleetwood, scoring at the weekend. Um, a good finish in, in uh, one-all draw, I think it was, against Wickham as well, which is, you know, always good to see. Um, there, was, there was complaints from the Fleetwood Twitter account about um, Wickham's time wasting, so it's interesting to see nothing's really changed uh, uh, for Wickham. Um, so we've already seen... Carlos Mendes Gomez go to Fleetwood, of course, picked up an injury. Not the ideal start, but Admiral Musquay there too. Um, we've seen it at Grimsby as well, where we've got two of our loanies uh, at the same club. Do you think that's sort of interesting that we've got two players at two different clubs? The fact that our scouts won't have to travel as, uh, as much? I think um, it was said by Nathan, I'm pretty sure, that it's it's good that we're going to have Carlos Mendes Gomez and Musquay building a partnership 
um, and understanding how each other play. And at the same time, um, at Grimsby, once same same guys, Colin Fernandez Gomez, once McAtee is back out of back from injury, um, which I, I don't know the time frames for either of them, but um, it's going to be good for play. You know, our players to play together elsewhere, and you know, get to know each other, get get a partnership formed, hopefully, and um, yeah. But I think it, it's very interesting that we've got two of our creative attacking players playing for Scott Brown, notoriously, you know, a hard <laughs> player in the midfield in Scotland. And it's just a bit like, I, it's a bit weird to think about. It will certainly instill some discipline in, into the two. I mean, it, obviously, I'm not putting it into question, but if there was any doubt, then I'm sure he's, he's a good manager to work under. But on, on Carlos, I'm pretty sure he's back. I'm pretty sure he started the weekend. So, He's back fit now, think, and yeah. to, have, to have Carlos left wing in his probably his best, most natural position. Musgrave up top again, probably one of his most natural um, places to, places to be. It's, um, yeah, to, to have two players together is just a positive, really. And then the last one, Dion Pereira, gone back to Bradford. I don't know about you two, but I was a little bit disappointed that he's he's in League Two. For me, yeah. he is closest to our first team out the, the trio and I do get the, the you know the the excellent I don't want to say legacy because he was only there for for a short period of time but the excellent feeling around the club when he's there um, obviously got a, a massively appreciative reception when he when he came on a player that they love there I do get the romance of it all but he for me he ripped up League Two last year in that short stint with, with Bradford. I think, to me, that justifies a, a League One move, especially when you see the, the trio that we've already spoken about all with League One moves. It, I think it could have gone a, maybe a similar way with him and the club um, with with what uh, happened with Kyoso last season. He may have not wanted to be waiting to get his chance. He might have been like, look, I've got a club that wants me. I... I want to play games. It, you know, he could easily get thirty plus games, maybe forty games a season under his belt uh, with Bradford. Um, well, probably not forty because you know we're we're a month and a bit in. But um, you know, he's going to get some good game time there. And if he rips up a rips up League Two again, they get promotion. He's got promotion under his belt, and that's a we're getting a nicely experienced, somewhat youngster because I think he's what twenty three. And um, yeah, so I reckon it's it's not the the best move ever, but at the same time, from his perspective, you can understand it. And they were, um, you know, I remember the rumours that they were in for him earlier in the summer. So I I think it it makes sense for him. And one player I will mention, Louis Watson. I guess he's in that same kind of category at the moment. I know it, it didn't really impact the squad because he's the only one really that's. Um, considered as an under-21, therefore he wouldn't count towards the actual 25-man squad that we had to name. But did you expect to see him go out on loan? Was he one that, given his, you know, given the fact that he's not too close to the first team at present, did you expect him to go out for you know a, a League One loan move, let's say, and, and get a good amount of games under his belt to, to return ahead of the, new, new, well, ahead of the next season? ready and, and fighting for a spot in the championship? I, I think personally for me, no, I think we've seen before that 
players need to learn the Luton way a little bit, and I, I'm not sure at the minute. I'm not, I'm not sure what who what I'm not sure what Louis Watson needs as games at the minute. He needs to really settle in into I guess his new home for coming from Derby. He needs to settle in knowing sort of Luton as a club and knowing the style of play and get get getting to know the lads around him. So I think at this stage games is probably isn't really the number one priority for for Louis Watson. He's still really young. Um, he will get enough games in 23. So I think he's one that will probably benefit from, from from staying around for a season. And maybe, who knows, next year, get go out on a loan. Because if, if all the loans work out well, then we've got Elliot Fort back, who's closer, and then probably that little bit further ahead of Lou Watson anyway. So you can get, get a loan for Watson next season, for sure. It's interesting what you say there about learning Luton way, because of course, there's, there's so many arguments for, you know, Pereira to stay at Luton and continue growing closer to the first team and, and with the other players that have gone. It's a difficult decision for, for those in charge of those younger players, what the next step of their development is. Certain individuals are probably better suited to going out on loan and, and gaining that, that first team experience. But then others, are, as you say, they need to learn the, the Luton way, as in this example, they need to understand the culture of the club, understand the system, understand what Jones demands of them. So, yeah, I think I agree with the both of you there that, that Louis Watson, best for him at this moment in time to stay in and around that first team setup. And I think another thing as well is important is just physically. I think we saw Carlos last year came in and there was no doubt in his, his ability on the ball. I think what 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 we all knew he needed was just a bit more muscle, a bit more grit to to, to sort of his his physique. So to, I think that the same probably stands for Louis Watson. He just needs that little bit more sort of sort of bit more strength, a bit more power that Carlos didn't have last year and, and now does this year. So yeah, I, I think I agree with with what you said, Bill. We'll go on to Stoke away. Jamie, I heard. Well, I've, I've seen on Twitter you've been speaking about going. If I remember rightly, do you need to do you need to tick it off for the ninety two? I do. Yeah, it'll be ground sixty four. Oh, it's, it's a new one for you, yep. Stephen. Are you heading over? Yep, and a new one for me as well. Good to hear. Good to hear. That'll be Oak Road representation. Where are you, Looking Bill? Stephen is maybe. I'm here, there, and everywhere, lads. I'm here, there, and everywhere. Um, no, I'm, this week I'm, I'm playing football. I was going to say, look, last season your excuse was that you reporting and that's fine because it's work. But now I've not seen you report as much on games. So I'm like, <laughs> where are you at, mate? I know, I know. You you gave me the benefit of the doubt last mm. year. But this, this week I'm playing football. I've got a valid-ish excuse. Plus, I've, I've ticked it off before. So Is this you thinking that... Not one selected at the start of the season that, that I needed to do. Is, is, is this you thinking maybe that your career as a footballer isn't quite yet over? Well, to be <laughs> fair, Stephen said earlier that 23 is still young. So at 23, I've still got that. But Stephen's helping me there. I think, you know what, after... After... Um, I think Alan Campbell has made me think, you know, you just run around for 90 minutes with that intensity. You know, yeah. you can do it. So You can do it. So, if you work on your fitness that much. You can so do basically, it. I have no doubt that Nathan Jones does not listen to this podcast. But if by any chance he is, Nathan, you've got a spare spot in your squad. Billy Money, age 23. Go on, <laughs> so sign him up. 
Yeah, do you know what? There's two two places to fill. Why not take an opportunity of, you know, be what a story that would be from step step seven of non-league to to championship. You know, it's a gamble you got to take sometimes. Just make sure that that we've got a a little sudden fee in, in your contract with us, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they wouldn't really pay <laughs> pay much for me. An injury-prone 23-year-old that plays uh, step seven in non-league football. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure my phone won't be ringing. But yeah, you all have that optimism. But back to Stoke. Alex Neil, now manager. Real, real strange situation. Um, given what he'd done at Sunderland on this upward trajectory, uh, I, I do guess that... that the final financial situation does play a factor. Um, you know, the Coates family, very, very wealthy. They, they do invest a lot in the squad, in everything, really. Um, owners that, that the fans do like because they are close to their football club. I guess in that respect, you can see it, but he's come from a, a, a fast rising club in Sunderland that, that started the season very well. Um, you know, back to a certain extent by them as well this this summer. So in that that kind of thinking, it was quite strange to me. But an incredible an incredible manager that has the ability to turn things around for Stoke. But how many times have we heard that with Stoke City? Yeah, um, I, I think first of all, great great appointment. I think he's he's certainly a good manager fit for this level, and I think that. Stoke have made a good move with with bringing 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 him him in, um. But then I guess in a different breath, yeah, I think it's a bit strange to leave Sunderland. I think as a club, obviously we, we joke about players having ceilings, but I think as a club, Sunderland's ceiling is is higher than than, than Stoke's ceiling in terms of what, what what Sunderland could be as a club. So, yeah, I mean, I think they certainly backed him in in, in the window as well. I think they, they spent some decent amount of money. So I think to to leave what what seven games seven or eight games or so into the season was a bit strange, but nonetheless he's now at Stoke. Um and and yeah, we'll see whether they'll get a get a new manager bounce because he didn't start too well at the weekend or Bet Redding, who have surprised a lot, but he only had probably a day or two in training but but now he's got a full week, so I guess we'll, there's a few unknowns there. Well, as as a certain manager once said, when a Stoke like club the club like Stoke come calling it's hard to say no. Maybe we might yeah. be hearing when a club like Brighton come calling. It's hard to say no soon. Or Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's. I wonder if he's part of the odds for the Chelsea job. Well, I saw that he was at, at a high-ish odds for the Bournemouth job, which was surprising. Four to one, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, very strange. Very strange indeed. But as we say, Stoke, a side that haven't really threatened, you know, they've got the squads. They've had the managers, of course, had Jones, you know, proven to be a good manager in the championship. Michael O'Neill came with a very good resume. Um, Gary, even Gary Rowett has seen success after leaving um, Stoke. You know, is it a cursed club? Yep got to be it's got to be seeing all these successful managers fell but really, yeah. 
as we say, Alex Nil, though a very, very good manager, done tremendously well at Norwich before, got into promotion, done what I think was a very good job with, with Preston as well, and obviously very well at Sunderland too to, to get them into the championship first and foremost, which seemed an impossible task. Is he the is he the kind of person that fixes all the problems? He's gone to Sunderland and, and finally secured them promotion. Is he going to go to Stoke and sort their say on the pitch issues because the club of their you know club of their size, club of their squ- the squad they've got available, club of their financial power, they should be they should really be challenging for for playoffs every year. I think I, I it's with every manager that they've had for ages, it's hard to say that that manager is going to be the one to fix them. Um, I think. Alex Neil might have the, 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 you know, he might be able to do it. But again, that's just what you can say about all of the managers they've had previously, and what they're probably most likely to say about the next three hundred managers as well. That you know, they you know they are quite a cursed club at the moment. He might turn it around, but I think, I think it's going to be a long and tough job to do. Yes. And looking at Stoke, looking at their squad, where do you see their threats coming from? Obviously got big Aidan Flint at the back, um, wins pretty much every header there is to win. Uh, a player that against Stoke, he got the nod down for, for their, equal, was it the equaliser? Yeah, it was the equaliser at the time. Um as we say, that that real aerial threat. They've got like Tyrese Campbell, uh, Liam Delap, Nick Powell's back, which I think there's a conspiracy theory here with Nick Powell. I'm pretty sure every time we play Stoke, he returns from injury. <laughs> Magically, the, the game before, he returns and, and then is available for games against Luton. I just, I don't know how he does it. Every time, it seems, I've, I, Probably can be proved wrong with that. But it just in my head, I just remember seeing, oh, Nick Powell's going to be back. Of course, he's going to be back for the Luton game. But again, a player that we know can cause a lot of harm. Very, very technically gifted, but also really, really intelligent off the ball. Makes some very, very good runs. And yeah, a, a player that can cause us harm if we let him, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, Lewis Baker's the player that I've always liked. Obviously, he's a Luton lad, so there's that that bit of a bias in there. He scored a great goal against us last year. Um, so he, he's probably, for me, the standout threat. Um, I like Jacob Brown, but strangely, seems like um, Alex Neil put him back to right wing back against Reading, which is a bit strange after he's been playing up top for for a while and, do, and, and doing well. Um, so as a back three, I think it's a back three you can get at. I mean, I think Adrian Flint's obviously experienced at the level, but when they signed him in the summer for 33-year-old Aidan, Aidan Flint, it wasn't exactly a wow signing. Um, clearly a threat from set pieces, but I think we've, we've probably got enough to, to sort of defend against that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it's going to be a, a, a really interesting game. I think both both teams, I think looking at the XG table, but both teams have, have, under, have underperformed their XG so far this year. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see if that evens out for for either side. Yeah, as we say, there are a lot of threats, both 
attacking threats and, and as we say Aidan Flint his ability to to win pretty much every header there is to win he's certainly one to watch in the box we'll speak a little bit about this notion of how we go into this game of course we've seen so far in these away games we do see lower levels of possession is that something we can expect against Stoke they aside that that may start to start to find out that if you allow us to have the ball that's that's when we we see our troubles I think we need to approach it the way we approached all away games this season probably bar Bristol City um Obviously, we've done very well away from home, as we've said before. So I think it's just the best way to go about it um, because it, it seems to work. I assume Stoke will want to be on the ball. I don't think any team realistically would want to not be on the ball at home this season, maybe bar us because of our home form. Um, but yeah, I think it could it could go quite well for us because of, you know, you expect them to be on the ball. We play well off the ball. Um, and our possession. So, yeah, I think that's just how we approach it. Looking at the potential start in 11, is there any changes you'd make from what you've seen so far? I think Jones said prior to last weekend that Doughty was expected to be available for, for the Wigan game. Would you bring him in if he's fit? Would Or, or would you gradually bring him in given that he has missed, you know, I guess you could say at this point a significant period of time considering that we're in the early stage of the season. Is he somebody that, that you expect to see gradually brought back or somebody that, that could be brought into starting 11 duties when and if fit? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd certainly be a bit more cautious with him. Um, it's not exactly an, an area of the pitch where we struggled this season. I think Bell's done really well. Again, nothing really outstanding, but he's just been solid uh, as he was all last season. And then same with Potts at left at left centre back. So it's not like you you drop Amari or it's not like you drop Potts to push to push Amari back. So there's no need to just sort of throw him in straight away. Um, so I'd, I'd certainly start start by giving a few sort of sub appearances first. You the same there, Stephen? Would you go? Would you go the same starting eleven that has been starting? Should they all be available and, and fit, raring to go? I think there needs to be a, a teeny level of change, but not dramatic. I think with with how Adebayo has been playing, it, it you know it could be best to put him on the bench and bring him on later in the game to be a game changer. That might suit him at the moment, because um, it, it does seem that. A lot of the time, the the game kind of passes him by. He he runs a lot, which is you know brilliant to see. But it's just he seems down on confidence. So um, it could be a, a a good thing to give him a bit of a rest and bring him on as game changer. And um, but ultimately, I'm not too upset with the the current starting lineup that we've seen most weeks. And um, uh, it, it's just a matter of you know, bringing the injured players back in slowly rather than putting them in suddenly. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, yeah, not necessarily saying that Eli needs to be dropped, but I, I certainly wouldn't be against it. If, if I saw a front two of Woodrow and Morris, I'd be like, yeah, fine. That, that's good with me. Um, 
equally again I think Freeman's been great but there's no harm in maybe starting with, with Luke Berry with, with a bit more of a I guess aggressive sort of pressing number 10 um, which then means you can drop Campbell back a little bit as well so yeah I mean I, I certainly wouldn't be against keeping the same 11 that started, that started against Wigan but yeah maybe one or two one or two changes here and there might, might add a bit of just just that, that bit of freshness to the to the team. You mentioned there Luke Berry um, maybe coming in for Freeman. We've seen last year against Stoke that we saw joy when Danny Hilton came in and played in that sort of number 10 role. Of course, there's no Joe Allen this time around, but uh, they're a team that will, that will likely see a lot of possession, as we mentioned there. Lewis Baker that likes to drop deep. Nick Powell can drop deep at times as well to, to receive possession. Aggressive pressing, it could be could be the way forward. And we've spoken a lot about Adebayo being very good out of possession. Can, you know, Colton Morris and, and say Harry Cornick, if he is to come in, or, or Woodrow, can they give us the same levels out of possession than, than Adebayo does? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you've seen it at Barnsley with the way, the way Morris and, and Woodrow played together. I think out of possession, I thought they were excellent. They were really aggressive and... I mean, I think that they're. All, I, think, I mean, I, I can't. I can't remember. I can't. I can't remember exactly, but I think in terms of like the whole PPDA stat, when when we were really good a couple of years, a couple of years ago, I think they weren't that far behind us. Um, so I think for sure, there's there's no doubt in Morris and Woodrow as a two to to press from the front, and I think we've all seen last year sort of Clark Campbell and Bevy as a three as well. So I think if if that is the route that we want to go down, I think it's probably two good changes to make. And then we'll go for some score predictions. Um, we've got Mr. Optimism in Jamie Castle over there. Let's let's see if he uh, sticks to what he knows. Well, I'm not going to jump on a train to Stoke and walk two miles to the ground and say that we're going to we're going to lose. Am I, Bill? So I'm going to go for the the standard one nil shout win. Come on, love it, Stephen. Jamie stole it, so I'm I'm gonna go two 0 Why not? Two 0 us, by the way. Even more optimistic. Go on, Stephen. Wow. Stephen's trying to take that optimistic title. <laughs> we've we've, we've turned go. the tide against Stoke, so we've turned that that little, <laughs> that annoying, you know, away form. So I'm saying, yeah, I'm I'm positive two 0 definitely. I'm gonna join you. I'm gonna go for three wins out of three. Yeah. Um, I think our away form, I think the way we play away um, at the moment warrants the three of us for going for wins. I'm going to go 2-1. I can see it panning out similar to, to Cardiff. I don't think Stoke are going to be at their best still. I think it's going to take time to to adapt to, to Alex Neal's style of play. Jamie did say that had now a week under his, under his stewardship, but still very much in his infancy. I think we could take advantage of that. I'll go for 2-1 and, as I say, pan out similar to Cardiff and that would mean that it would pan out similar to the last time we played Stoke where we got into that 2-0 commanding lead. Didn't really look like conceding until a late, very good strike undone us and gave us a, a nervy last few minutes. But that is three wins from three. I don't remember the last time we've done that because it's. I don't remember the last time that I I was as optimistic as I am. Hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us in the arse. 
We'll only have to wait and see. But that is all for today. Big thank you to the two of you for joining and a big thank you to listeners for your continued support. If you've liked what you've heard today, then please take a moment to rate us on your podcast provider. Socials, of course, we are at Oak Road Hatter on Twitter. We are Oak Road Hatter Pod on Facebook. No, we're not. We're Oak Road Hatter Pod on Instagram and we're Oak Road Hatter on Facebook. Till next week, though, it is goodbye from us. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.